knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned, there's not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp and Angela Whitehorn is my co-host and we're excited to have Christina Fox on for the fourth time and I think that you and Rachel Miller are going to be tied for four times on the podcast now. So we'll kind of like um, you're like resident experts in you know, whatever we have you come on about. And if you haven't heard our Mm -hmm. other episodes with Christina Fox, I'll link them in the episode notes. But Christina has written several books. She's written um, A Heart Set Free, A Journey to Hope Through the Psalms of Lament. Wonderful book. It's a great, uh, I spoke at a conference recently on suffering and somebody said, what books do you recommend? And that was one I recommended. And and then she's written Closer Than a Sister. That's a great book about friendship. And Sufficient Hope is her new one. And I'm missing one, Christina, um, the one about idols. What's the yes, title? Idols of a Mother's Heart. Yes. And why did I not write that one down? I, um, and that's another great book. And some of your, some of your books, um, not all of your books are just about mothers. I think Closer Than a Sister and a Heart Set Free really is applicable to all Christian women. But um, Idols of a Mother's Heart and Sufficient Hope really is a little bit more um, geared towards moms. So why don't you just first just talk about what this book is about and why you wrote it? I think writers often write the books that they want to read. And this is definitely one of those books for me. This is the book I needed to read when I had my first son, who's almost 15 now. Sufficient Hope is about the gospel and how it applies to every aspect of motherhood. Gospel, the truths of who Jesus is and what he came to do in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension is sufficient to give us hope as moms. And so I I really hope that the book meets moms who read it with hope and encouragement, and then it points them to their savior. So Christina, um, I really feel like this book is... um, even the way that it's set up is kind of special. Can you talk to us um, a little bit about how each chapter is set up and tell us what the book is like? Sure. Sufficient Hope, um, and its subtitle is Gospel Meditations and Prayers for Moms. And that's what it is. It's a kind of collection of meditations or short chapters. 
the first two chapters summarize the gospel and the rest of the book just unpacks how the gospel applies to different circumstances that we experience as moms. Uh, for example, you know, what does the gospel have to say to our expectations for motherhood, uh, to our worries for our children, to our loneliness or to our children's sin or our own sin, even to our weariness as moms. And then at the end of each meditation is a gospel-centered prayer. And the prayer is intended to help the reader pray through the gospel and apply it to the situation discussed in the chapter. So, for example, there's a prayer applying the gospel to our worries, uh, to our discontentment, those kinds of things. You know, um, one thing I wanted to mention just to our listeners is I think that this book can be helpful for moms of all ages. I think some of the things that you write about maybe are a little bit more to moms that have a younger children than mine because my kids are almost all grown. But I still really could relate to a lot of what you talk about. And, and you talk about some of your personal struggles in this book, too. And I think some of those things that us as moms struggle with are similar, you know. Um, but can you talk about some of the struggles that you had as a mom and how the Lord used those struggles, what he taught you um, through those? Yeah. Uh, well, I have struggled a lot as a mom, I would say. Um, and I assume most of us have had some some struggles. Um, but the Lord has used each struggle for my good and his glory. Um, at the beginning of the book, I share a brief story about uh, my struggle with depression and how something my pastor said to me encouraged me to look at my circumstances through the lens of what Christ had accomplished for me. And that conversation pushed me to look at all of my life through the lens of the gospel. Just, you know, stopping and asking myself, what does the gospel have to say to this? So whether it's been struggles with postpartum depression or worries over my children's chronic medical health problems or just feeling completely helpless or lacking wisdom in motherhood. God has met me in each and every circumstance with the hope of who Christ is and what he's done for me. Um, motherhood has not been easy at times and it's not easy for any of us. We all have stories of feeling inadequate or overwhelmed or facing a trial or just being fearful about something with our children or even simply just being tired and overwhelmed. But no matter our struggle, the gospel does have something to say to us. You know, Christina, I think that, you know, you were just talking about feeling inadequate as a mom. And I think um, that that really does relate to um, you talking in the book about things like Christ's sufficiency and the good news, like comparing my inadequacy to Christ's sufficiency. And this book is very centered on the gospel message. Why is that so important for moms? Well, the good news of the gospel isn't just that moment where we come to faith in Christ. It's not just good news about what's going to happen to us in eternity, but that's good news. <laughs> it's good news for us in the here and now. And I emphasize in the book the importance of reminding ourselves of that good news, of doing what some call preaching the gospel to ourselves, which basically means mm -hmm. 
repeating and reminding ourselves on a regular basis, even moment by moment, of who Jesus is and what he came to do. It's reminding ourselves of our need for Savior and dwelling on the incarnate God who came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, rose from the grave, and is set into heaven. And what that means for us, both in the here and now and in eternity. Doing so points us to Christ, who is all sufficient for us. In his perfect life and sacrificial death, he has done all that we cannot do. And because we're united to him by faith, we have full access to the riches of his grace. We can turn to him as our refuge, our strength, our wisdom, our hope, and our peace. As moms, when we face challenges in our day, whether they're small or big, we need to turn to Christ and to the truths of who he is and what he came to do. Yeah, I'm glad you talked about that. One thing we've talked about a lot on here is the importance of the gospel, because so often I felt a little bit when I was growing up, like, okay, here's the gospel. Now you have the gospel. Now you can move on from the gospel. And it's yeah. just so important. I, I love how you talk in the book about preaching the gospel to yourself every day. And one of the things, and when you talk a little bit about this in, in the book, and I can relate to this a lot, is those unrealistic expectations that we have on ourselves. And it can be so many different things. Uh, I mean, I, I was really going to be the perfect mom. Um, I was pretty sure of it. I planned on it. Um, and my kids were going to be very obedient and because I was going <laughs> to do such a good job, you know. But <laughs> what, regardless, there's so many different ways of those expectations. I expect my house to be perfectly clean all the time. And any, any mom knows that's, that's an unrealistic expectation right there. Uh, or whatever the expectations are. Um, and I think when we put those, I know for myself and even how you talk in the book, when we put those expectations on ourselves and we don't meet those expectations, we feel like a failure. So often I'll even talk to young moms and they'll say, I'm just not being a good mom. I failed at being a good mom. And I think it's partly because I, I, it disappoints me that we even think of the, in those terms, I guess. But for the mom that's out there that's in that place right now, maybe she's a younger mom and is just new at dealing with feeling like she's failed because she's not living up to those expectations that she has on for herself. What is some encouragement we can offer her? You can't see, but I've been smiling and nodding my head as you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same kind of expectations. Um, I think we all want to get motherhood right. We, we want to do it well. We want to raise our children well. And that's a good thing. Um, but the problem is that we also live out our motherhood in a fallen world. And we often fail to take that into account when we have expectations for ourselves and even for our children. We forget that the world has fallen in sin. We forget that sin impacts all of life, not just our own personal sin, but just the fact that we are frail humans and we forget about the impact of the sin that others commit against us and the impact of the fall on the creation, including that of our own bodies and illnesses and all of that. And so we really can't expect an easy motherhood. Uh, we have to expect that the fall will have an impact on our mothering. 
And there is a chapter in the book where I talk about the expectations we have as moms. And in that chapter, I summarize meta story of the Bible to help moms see their place in that story and to remind them of how God is at work even now redeeming all things. So realistic Mm. expectations are important because they give shape to how we respond to things that happen in life. And for the mom who feels like a failure, I would encourage her to remember that she's, she's not perfect and there is no perfect mom. There is no mom out there who gets it all right. We all let our children down. Well, we all fail them in some way, whether through our own sin or just through our simple human weaknesses and limitations. Christina, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, maybe even backing up from that, but how can we um, have more wisdom in how we approach our expectations? Because I don't think it's Mm, wrong to maybe have... um, some realistic goals, like, you know, sometimes like I, I want to do a better job at keeping up with the laundry might be a, a goal, but how can we kind of balance making goals that maybe are helpful for our family and those unrealistic expectations? That's a great question. And uh, when I figure it out, I'll let you know, <laughs> especially on the laundry. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was for me, and my kids are almost out of the house. So I'm just kidding. Yeah. There is a balance between, and I think it's a balance that we see in all aspects of life, you know, between um, striving to do the right thing while knowing at the same time that, you know, you're not going to live it out perfectly. You know, um, and not beating yourself up when things, you know, interfere with you being able to follow through on on that goal. Um, You know, I don't think that we should throw our hands up in the air and saying, you know, the mountain of laundry is just too big. I'll never accomplish it. I'm just not going to bother to stressing out over it all day or, or not not interacting with our children because the laundry is taken priority. Like we've got to, we got to check this off the list and because that's our, our goal, we're going to, you know, not sit down and play with our kids. So there, there's a balance there and um, that we have to take. And I, I think just kind of constantly reminding ourselves of remembering, you know, our limitations as, as humans and that uh, interruptions happen and, we make mistakes and we, we just can't always um, get it right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's helpful. And I think it's really, um, it has been really key and helpful for me um, to develop relationships in the body of Christ with women at my church. I'm, I'm just thinking about um, a friend who um, was over at my house um, last week, and we were talking about some of these things, some of these very things about, um, well, my weakness is this, well, her weakness is this, and and how do we, you know, how do you mentally move past that, and how do you um, take ideas and translate them into action? How do I implement change? How do I get better at certain things? And it was a really um, wonderful and helpful conversation with another sister in Christ who um, the basis and foundation of that conversation and that relationship is 
the Lord and that we love and accept one another and support one another. Um, so it's, it's safe, but also we can give each other feedback. Well, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Um, have you thought about taking this step? Um, and that sort of thing. So, but then also there was a lot of reminding one another, Hey, you know what? Don't forget. Um, it's okay if you don't, uh, do it perfectly. It's, it's okay if you fail in this area. Sometimes we all do that. And so, um, some of, some of what helps me the most is having supportive feedback, um, from sisters in the Lord who are, who are going through the same stuff. Yeah, I, I totally agree. In fact, I think I was talking with a friend recently about, you know, tackling, practically tackling household, uh, tasks and, you know, how, how do we get it done? And, um, I think when we feel overwhelmed by, uh, like you said, weaknesses, for example, um, we have to, I think we look at the big mountain, the big task ahead of us, and that's what gets us overwhelmed. And we think, okay, I got it. Like, well, I'll use the laundry, for example, you know, there's piles of it everywhere and you just got to get this under control. When we have a goal like that, we have to start with small goals, small steps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Instead of just focusing on the big one, just um, taking it in in bite-sized pieces. And I mean, that's how you climb a mountain. You start at the bottom and you take one step at a time. And it's the same way with any of these uh, situations where we might feel overwhelmed and, you know, not know what to do or how to get things under control is just one day at a time, one step mm-hmm. at a time, one little mess at a time. Um, mm-hmm. And and like you said, it's that balance between, well, I don't just quit and say, oh, well, we just live in a mess. Um, but then I also uh, don't say, um uh, the number one and only thing that's going to matter to me is striving for perfection in the task list. Um, it's, it's hard to find that balance, but you know, I honestly, I, I want to talk about your chapter, the work that's never done. I really, uh, related to this chapter because so much of motherhood is sort of a list of tasks that have to get done. It's mundane. It's, um, repeatable kind of things. It's a little bit sometimes like being on that assembly line and punching the same hole in the same sheet of metal for so many hours a day. Um, and it can be uh, easy to get sucked into um, that everyone needs to have gratitude for the work we do. And, and you know, when people do things for you, you should have gratitude. But... Um, we know that that doesn't always happen. We know it's not always the case. Um, and so in the midst of the day-to-day work we do, how can we cultivate having the right attitude? That's a great question because that's such a hard thing. <laughs> I find myself sometimes <laughs> muttering sarcastically, you know, after I've done something for my kids, I say, thanks, mom, because <laughs> no one else did. You know? <laughs> I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> But they and they hear me say it, and then they say, "Oh yeah, thanks." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so much of our work for our, our children and our family is unseen. It's as you said, mundane and repetitive. It's that kind of work that is never actually accomplished. Because when you do 
get that laundry under control. <laughs> it, it's there again the next day. So it's, mm-hmm. it's that kind of work that's easily overlooked and taken for granted by our family and often unthanked. Mm-hmm. And we can grow frustrated. Um, and, and often we don't see fruit from our labors because it, it's that kind of work that again pops up the next day so we don't like see it finished um and sometimes we can just grow weary and wonder why am I doing this is this worth it you know um and I would say it's true that our family should respond in gratitude for our work it's it's the right response um but we also have to remember that when they fail to do that that God sees our labors on behalf of our family. Mm-hmm. He never misses them and he never takes them for granted. He notices all the mundane things that we do. And when we labor for him and he's, he is glorified. And so all of our work matters to God because we were created to work for his glory. The work that we do is for his honor and fame and not for our own. And so our work is never wasted and, you know, we may not see much uh, fruit come from our labors um, in the here and now, but, you know, we may see it in the future. Um, you know, maybe we won't see our kids use their table manners right now, or we may not witness that the kindness that they showed other kids at school. And we may not even see the fruit of our prayers for their hearts for, you know, years to come. But one day in eternity, we will see that harvest come in. We'll see just how God used all of our labors and efforts um, in our motherhood for his glory. So I would say to moms who are listening, who are just weary from um, their labors, to don't give up, don't despair. That all the work that you do for God's glory is storing up for you eternal treasures that far outweigh any accolades or acknowledgement that you might receive in the here and now. Your quiet faithfulness in all things, even in the unseen and the mundane work, is seen by your Father in heaven. One thing I thought about in a few chapters of your book, and especially what you were talking about right there, and you have a chapter that kind of focuses on what you're talking about there, is just the doctrine of vocation. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a lot about that Um you know, I think we had Scott Keith on recently, and when he was on before, he said, you know, Luther said something like, you know, when the mom's changing a poopy diaper, you mm-hmm. for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, that, And we've talked even before on this podcast how sometimes women will say, but I just, you know, I just don't feel like I have time to do anything for the Lord. Well, actually, when you're sitting and hugging and praying with your children, you're doing something for the Lord. And when you're washing those dishes, you're doing something for the Lord. And that's that really helped me a lot, just understanding the doctrine of vocation, that whatever I do, do it to the glory of God. And exactly what you were talking about right there, Christina, I just find that so helpful. And you know, we each know that um, that even motherhood changes. So when you're... Um, when you have a newborn baby and your life is, you know, rocking them and nursing them and, um, and bathing them and changing their diapers. And then it changes when they're a toddler and they start, um, 
questioning you and um, being disobedient. And and then as they get older, and Christina, you have teenagers now, so you know that you're even, you know, your job as mom changes even then. And I've noticed since my kids, only one of them is under 18 now, how much my job has changed. But that's still that same doctrine of vocation. Even with my older kids that are in their 20s, that I still am a mom, I'm still needed in, in different ways than when they needed their diaper changed. Um, anyways, I just wanted to to share that a little bit, that the doctrine of vocation can be helpful in understanding. And I don't know if there's a... I, I don't know if there's a good reform book to recommend on that, but I've read Jean Veith's book on it. So I'll mention that. Yeah. That's the only one that I'm aware of. Right okay. Now. I didn't know if maybe, maybe you would know. Um, so I think uh, you have a chapter. I, I, you know, there's a few of the chapters that stuck out and even some that we won't get to, but the um, discontent in motherhood and, you know, some of there's so many books out there for moms and it's almost like it's focused on you know what you need to do to have this happy life and i just always go back to what scripture says that we're to be content in um you know where whatever circumstance and you you even talk about you know if only and we i i can't think of a mom out there that hasn't had those thoughts if only i had more money if only I had, my kids were more obedient. If only I had a nicer house, then I'd feel more content. Um, but what can we do to not fall into that and really learn to be content wherever the Lord has us? Contentment in life is hard for all of us, um, whether we're moms or not, I would say. I mean, there's always something out there that's missing that, we think if we had that thing, our life will be full and complete. Our problems will be solved. We'll be happier. We'll be fulfilled. The gospel does speak to contentment. Um, and one of the chapters, Insufficient Hope, addresses it. Um, and here's, a, here's just a quote from the book. The cure for our discontentment doesn't lie in something new. It isn't found in some change. It doesn't come when our if-onlys are fulfilled. It's found in a person, Jesus Christ. For all of us, we have to look at um, those if-onlys. That's kind of the little phrase that I use to describe discontentment. You know, that that thing that we say, if only uh, this would happen, then I'd be happier. Um, we have to look at those if-onlys and see them for what they are, idolatry. Our if-onlys yeah. are idols of our heart, those things that we put our hope in apart from Christ, those things that we look to as our rescuer, our savior from whatever um, our challenge is. Or, um, and so we have to root them out and replace them with greater love for Christ because only he is our savior and our hope is found in him alone. Um, nothing else is going to satisfy because we've all had that experience where we did get the if only, and then we weren't, we weren't happy. We weren't content. Um, so that's because we can only find our contentment in Christ and in our relationship with him in knowing him and being known by him. 
Absolutely. And I, I think it's um, just really important for us to think about that um, if we're looking for circumstances to be the key to changing our attitude, then we are looking to the wrong thing because, um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, Matthew chapter 15 um, where it talks about it's not what is outside of you that defiles you. It's what's inside. It's not what's going on around you. It's not the food. It's not the place. It's not, it's what's inside your heart. And, um, only Christ and the gospel can change that. Um, it, it's really not a change of scenery or um, a different, you know, food for dinner or whatever. It's God needs to change our heart and we need to look to him for our satisfaction. So um, I, I really did, um, I really did uh, relate to the the chapter about the if onlys. And, you know, you followed that up with a different chapter about what ifs. And, you know, I think as moms, sometimes that the what ifs can drive us crazy thinking about them, worries and fears. And what does it look like then to really trust the Lord as opposed to spending time worrying? Worry is so hard. (laughs) And not just for moms. I mean, we all worry. We worry about all those things that we think might happen. Like you said, what if? We worry about our children's health, about their development. Are they growing the way they're supposed to? Uh, Are they sleeping right? Um, Are they doing well in school? We worry about their friendships. And we can just get completely twisted up in knots over worrying about our children and all those what ifs that may or may not happen. And worry is one of those things that I deal with. um, And it's a struggle that I have on a regular basis. And I just um, have learned to bring my worries to Christ, to repent of them and remind myself of who he is for me. I have to remember that through faith in Christ, I'm adopted as a child of God. And as God's child, I have free access to the throne of grace. I can cry out to God for help at any time and know that he hears me. I can tell him all of these worries that I have um, for my children. And I know that he counts all of my tears. He knows the number of hairs on my head. I know he knows what I need even before I do. I know that he is watching over all the cares of my life and that he's working them out for my good. And I know that he cares for my children even more than I do. And so um, when it comes to worry, I mean, the gospel does, you know, answers that and tells us that, you know, God uh, cares so much about us and and what our life is like in this fallen world. Um, he did He did something about it. He sent his son uh, to mm. die for us. So you know there's a there's a new Christian history podcast, and we had the um, the host on last month. And they're just five-minute daily podcasts. It's a Christian history almanac. But at the end, at the end of every podcast, he says everything's going to be okay. Mm. And the reason he had a podcast before that, and they started saying that, and it's because of Christ. And there's actually something for me about hearing that every time he says that. And even 
reminding myself of that because of Christ. Uh, we did an episode on suffering last week and someone put a little thing of something I said. I didn't even realize I said it. And it was something like, you know, suffering can be very lonely. And I would say motherhood can be very lonely because you kind of, some you sometimes feel alone, even if somebody else has young children, you may have something very specific to you. Maybe you have extra financial struggles or your marriage is struggling right now or whatever it is. It can feel very lonely, but Christ understands. He, the Lord knows, the Lord is walking with us and I'm wondering, Christina, if you could just maybe give some practical tips. I know you talk about preaching the gospel um, to ourselves every day. One of the things, Angela and I have gotten this question a few times, and we've even answered on a Q&A episode, but sometimes young moms will say, I don't have time to read a lot of Bible and study like I used to. And I don't have time to, you know, pray for hours on end like I used to and, and this sort of thing, which I'm going to say, go pick up sufficient hope because um, you can do a, little, a chapter a day and probably, mm. you know, 15 minutes and it, it's going to be a great encouragement and it's going to have some practical tips in there. It's going to have some scripture. It's going to have some quotes. It's going to have a prayer at the end. Um, but what practical tips would you give to moms because we need to be nourishing ourselves spiritually every day. So what are some practical tips for the moms out there to, to be sure that they're doing that? I can totally relate to those moms who've asked that question because I remember asking that myself um, when I had little ones and, you know, I spent my days meeting their needs and then ended up neglecting my own. Um, And so I, over time, kind of learned to look for those pockets of time, whether it's, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, where um, my kids are occupied with something and I could just uh, turn to God's word or um, read a book or something like that. Um, I remember before I had kids, you know, I was able to have this more disciplined, focused time of studying my Bible before I went off to wherever I went in the morning. Um, and I just, I had to tell myself, okay, this is just a new season that you're in and it's okay that maybe you can't keep doing what you used to do. We're going to do this differently now. And so for a number of years, I ended up having my quiet time in the evenings after they went to bed. Um, I just immediately went to my own room and, and just sat out my Bible. Um, the other thing that I had started doing when my kids were younger and I still do now is journaling my prayers because I would, you know, sit down to pray and inevitably there was some interruption, some chaos, some, something where I just, you know, didn't pray. I couldn't finish what I started. And so I started journaling and I realized, well, if I'm interrupted, I can come back and I can actually see where I left off and um, just continue right, right along with what I was praying about. Um, and so another, um, thing, you know, that, um, a lot of people are doing, you know, because we have all these podcasts and things that we can listen to through technology. I mean, even just listening to the Bible, um, Mm. read to us while we're driving a car or, um, cooking dinner, you know, there's lots of little opportunities for that. I think, um, 
And the other thing that um, moms have access to all day long, you know, they don't need to like sit down and do it, is they have access to the word that's stored in their hearts. As, you know, the psalmist said, you know, your word, I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. So the word that we've read throughout, you know, a period of time of our lives, we stored there, we know it, we can recall it. We can remind ourselves of what's true from that. And we can pull that out and dwell on it in the middle of a busy day with our kids. Um, we can, you know, dwell on who Christ is for us, even when we're driving or changing a diaper or grocery shopping. Um, so it is important to just find those opportunities, no matter how short they are. I mean, God can magnify even the smallest um, effort um, and use it for our, for our nourishment. Um, but it is important that we do that, you know, just like when you go on an, you know, an airplane and the airline stewardess says, you know, in case of emergency, you put on your oxygen mask first before you put it on anyone else near you. And as moms, we need to receive nourishment first from our union with Christ um, before we can really, you know, do what we need to do as moms for our children. We can't, we can't um, nurture them out of emptiness. You know, we need that first. So we have to abide in Christ and um, just be creative and find ways to, um, to be nourished. Um, and it's going to look different. And, and now I would say, you know, uh, I'm in a different season of life where I can back, actually return back to that uh, time of, you know, being in the word in the morning now or just doing different things because the kids are older and so seasons change um and, and they will continue to do so hmm. you know i i have a couple thoughts to add i know not everyone has access to this but it has been so um helpful to me to be a part of the ladies bible study at my church and i know um being involved with that there are weeks that um I, I get up and I think I don't have the study done. I'm supposed to be there in a half hour. The kids are cranky. I should just skip. But then I go and I didn't have it done. And I, you know, there's lots of women there who um, are encouraging. And there's lots of women there who are encouraging one another, um, all different walks of life, lots of wisdom to be soaked up, lots of support. And that has um, been so, so helpful to me. Um, and then another thing that I do, I have um, just a little document on my phone um, where I have stored some key scripture passages that are specifically about the gospel. And, um, you know, when I'm having a moment that I need to be reminded of what the gospel is, um, that's where I go. And I completely agree with what you said, Christina, about hiding the word in our heart and having having the word memorized and it's there all the time and we don't have to stop and sit down and look something up. Um, that is just a wonderful resource for us. I agree about the Bible study. That was um, very helpful to me when I was a young mom. Of just even if I wasn't prepared, as you said, um, just hearing from other people and um, their wisdom of you know being a few years ahead of me, even um, pouring into me and just being an encouragement. Um, and so you know, if a lot of churches um, have you know Bible Bible study um, for women, but also offer like 
uh, babysitting for their kids. And, um, but you know, that's a wonderful ministry to moms if, if they have that, um, so that they can attend and, and grow in their faith. Yeah. When you were talking about, um, the importance of, of finding that time. I was thinking about how sometimes young moms will say to me, you know, my husband and I just don't have any time to invest in our relationship or spend time together. And, and I always tell, you know, we we're focusing on being parents right now. And I always say, yeah, but I'm, I was always a better mom when my husband and I were making our relationship a priority in the Mm. same way that when I'm making my relationship and growing in the Lord a priority that that actually gives me a more peaceful day and maybe I'm a little more patient and um, other things like that. So I'm going to highly recommend Sufficient Hope. Uh, One of the things I wanted to mention, I really think this book is set up where you can do it just by yourself. I was thinking uh, as I, cause I read it a while ago and then I, I reread, I reread some of it recently, and I was thinking this would have been a fun book for my best friend and I to read together and just discuss every couple days. So you could do something like that. You could do it with a a women's group and maybe do a few chapters a week. Um, I think I forgot to mention that at the end of um, every little section before the prayer, you have kind of questions or questions. like I'll just open one, like here you have read Ephesians one, what gospel truths does God point to in the first half of the chapter? Something that you could, if you've got a, um, a journal that you um, use with your Bible study that you could, you could use it in, you could write some of those things out in there. Um, and it kind of helps you to, some of the questions you have in here will help you to think through things. Um, sticking in the same one that I opened up to, You have a question here. Have you ever made considering the gospel part of your day-to-day routine? What impact did this have on your mind and heart? And then the third one you have on here is take time to pray today. Thank the Lord for the good news of the gospel. And you have these great prayers in here too, which I think is um, really helpful. And I think it, you know, in your book, A Heart Set Free, you, you, one of the things you um, do in there is have people kind of write maybe some of their own psalms of lament. And I'm thinking that in, in this book, like the prayers you have written out are an encouragement maybe to write some of those own prayers. Themselves. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to give away two copies of Christina's book. So check out our social media. We'll do one on Twitter and one on Facebook, and there'll be instructions this week on the Facebook post on our Facebook page, which I'll also post it in the group and then on our Twitter on how you can be entered for a copy of sufficient hope. So thank you, Christina, so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me.